0: I want you to turn in your Bibles to John 2, and uh, well, we're having one of those summer storms here, um, our church isn't, but I, I think I measured it at one, at one time on the GPS, I think we're sitting about a, a mile, 1.3 miles from the edge of the Gulf of Mexico, something like that. <laughs> It's really a beach town, but you wouldn't know it because you can't see the beach from the main drag. But, uh, we're, we're sitting just right at the edge of the water. So, uh, when the storms come up, they come up kind of violently right here. I praise God. We've got, uh, good roof over our head and we're, we're in good shape. John two, uh, is this famous story. The Bible calls it the first miracle of um, the the first miracle of um, Jesus' ministry, and uh, it says it was the beginning of his ministry. I always like to say, because of what mary had, uh, because of what Mary had said to him, I always like to 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 say that we don't know what miracles he did at home. Practicing miracles, and uh, there's a teaching that we could do, but we won't tonight, about the progression of Jesus' power. A lot of people think, well, just because he was Jesus, you know, at seven years old, he just started doing amazing things. And but did you know he he kind of built his own faith and his own name and his own authority. In in an interesting way, Um, because if you look at just in raising the dead, he, he, there was a progression of things that happened there. Uh, Jairus' daughter had just died, and uh, then uh, there was a funeral. Remember the widow of Nain? Is that it? There was a funeral. I think that person had been dead longer. Because uh, they'd already prepared the body for embalming and all that. So that was a little longer. And he finally worked himself up to uh, the miracle of um, uh, ra- raising Lazarus from the dead. And he had been dead three days. It was going on day four. So do you see the progression there of things um, in his own ministry? So the Bible says this is the beginning of miracles. I believe it's more that it's the beginning of his public miracles where people could watch because he said to his mother, my time is not come yet. But she ignored him anyway and told him to do what she wanted him to do, which is what mothers do to their sons. Especially in public, especially at weddings. Uh, so there's some nuggets here uh, that I want to keep sharing. This is a part of one of my... Teachings is close to my heart on miracles. Not a lot of people teach on miracles. You'll hear a lot of good teaching on healing. Thank God for it. Hear a lot of good teaching on faith. Thank God for it. But the Lord told me one time in uh, Birmingham that uh, I, he said, uh, my people need to know how to have, I want you to teach my people how to have faith for miracles because miracles should be a part of our life. I said miracles should be a part of our life as Christians. It shouldn't be looked upon as bizarre or weird, you know. You don't have to, you know, wear flowing white garments, you know, to produce one. You don't have to have some big ministry to produce one. Now, if you have flowing white garments and a big ministry and you produce miracles, yay, praise the Lord. Let everybody wear a white garment. But... uh These things have nothing to do with what we wear or our style of ministry or right. If you have the organist really whip it up during the time of the prayer, this is not has nothing to do with anything spiritual. Um, Those things are atmospheric and they might help people, you know, maybe focus on something or open their heart. Amen. Not saying they're useless. But that's not the key to miracles. If that was the key to the miracles, then the churches with the big orchestras and all that would be the place to go for a touch of God. And sometimes you can be inspired by that, but not always a touch of God in the way that we want. Amen. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to help you tonight with some things on secrets, on miracles. One is uh, what is a miracle, and it's in a, it's the a, the real Bible. A definition of a miracle is the the interruption of what the normal course of affairs would be under nature. So there's an interruption. In other words, uh, if somebody healed of cancer could actually be a miracle because the normal effect of the way of that disease is to is to destroy and to die. It, it's a killer, and it will bring people down and kill them. And so to interrupt that and turn it the other way around, amen, to where there's healing now and, uh, the report changes, that would be a miracle, wouldn't it? Yes. Somebody that's been born blind and now they can see, that's a miracle. We've seen that happen. All these things I'm mentioning, uh, the Lord has enabled us to be involved with, uh, those kinds of miracles. Uh, there can be a miracle of nature. Praise the Lord. And, uh, all kinds of, of provision. It's interesting. The first miracle at our friend, Mark Berzee, that, uh, Scarlett had mentioned, gonna be with us in November. Um, my, he, he's the first one that I heard point out that, isn't it interesting that the first miracle that God, that Jesus did, uh, in his ministry was a provisional miracle. It wasn't healing. It wasn't somebody with a dire need. And see, we've got this impression that if it's a miracle, there has to be a dire need. And it has to be everything else has been tried first. And it has to be all these rules. Well, who comes up with these rules? Do they go to the rule center and take a number and read one like a fortune cookie? You know, it's just amazing all these self-appointed theologians that walk around with the answers. But... uh, God did this and God does that and says that and the other. And it really, it's just slogans and cliches that have been passed down from generation to generation that have nothing to do with the Bible. Absolutely nothing. But it sounds spiritual because you're talking about God and his will or whatever. But before we blurt out some crazy cockamamie thing, why don't we look it up? What the word says about it? Amen. Praise God. So here we have, a we say, well, God will only do a miracle if there's a dire need. This was not a dire need. Running out of wine at the reception is not life or death. Well, it might be if you're an alcoholic. But you understand that this was not something that people are going to, uh, you know, have a big problem over. It might embarrass the host, and that's about it. But beyond that, this is not a dire need. So we've got to get out of our mind that, well, I, I won't pray for a miracle or, or be involved in a miracle because I don't have a dire need. You don't have to have a dire need. You can have a, de- a dire desire. And as long as it's a godly one, and as long as it's backed up by the Word of God, you can have it. Hallelujah. Well, I don't like that. Well, fine, sit there and do without, but don't bother everybody else that's trying to believe the Bible. Amen. Talk them out of their blessing. We don't want to be, uh, you know, the, the guy that reigns on everybody's parade. And so if you don't like using faith in that way, then don't. But we don't have to bash it so somebody else can't get it. Can you say amen? And so I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, To go over some of these things that you'll see right here in this one scripture, if we had time, and we won't take time tonight, to plow through the Old Testament, you'd see so many stories of this. Um, One of the things, so we do need to understand the definition of miracles. Secondly, that the greatest hindrance to miracles is human reasoning. And um, I'll show you that in just a minute, how that works with another part of this. The third thing is the command of faith. With every miracle, there's a command of faith for our part to participate. There's no miracle outside of creation. Outside of creation, there's no miracle that God did just by himself. Every miracle in the Old and New Testament was a cooperative effort between God, his power, and man obeying the voice of the Spirit. Isn't that something? People say, how God parted the Red Sea. You know, they didn't get to the edge and stand there, and all of a sudden it just parted. Moses had his part to play. This is what I want to get to. God said to him, just lift your rod over the water. And I'm sure his mind might have gone, why? What good will that do? So, human reasoning will kick in and talk you out of obeying God, because usually the command of faith for receiving a miracle and operating in a miracle is will insult your intelligence because it's something so simple and something so insignificant that you can do that it insults you. Like Naaman, for example, go dip in Jordan seven times. He's completely insulted. You want me to dip in a dirty river to get rid of leprosy to get an infection in that water? It's gross. He said it was gross. He said, that's a dirty river. I don't want to go there. There's a better river, you know, somewhere else. And, uh, but anyway, long story short, he, I gotta keep moving on. Long story short, he, uh, did it anyway, and he got the great miracle, didn't he? Came out the seventh, after the seventh time, uh, up. He was, he was cured of leprosy, which is a miracle because, It's not only stop the disease, but you got to put back everything that fell off. Literally, body parts will fall off from that disease. Like the people will wake up, their toe is laying over there. Fell off during the night. Horrible thing. And uh it will kill you eventually. So he's healed of leprosy uh from that. That's a great miracle, isn't it? Um anyway, I want you to see. That Naaman, for that miracle, we go, oh, the mighty miracles of Elijah and Elisha. Yeah, but, but Naaman was involved in it. And so, there's a command of faith that comes with every miracle. And so, we come with this. Every, everything you've ever needed by way of a miracle has always been available for you. Another point on that is that, um, the seed to that miracle, uh, it's a seed of obedience. Sometimes it is a seed that you plant. It's not always a seed that you plant. It's not always money. It can be money. It doesn't have to be. But the seed, which it means the seed of obedience to that miracle, is already existing in your life and something you can do. God will never ask you for what you don't have. Amen. Like, was it within Naaman's power to get to the Jordan River and dip? Yes. So what's the problem? Well, I need this big miracle. I must have to do some great spiritual thing. Once again, religion rears its ugly head and ruins faith. Because faith is simple. Faith does simple little things And religion goes, oh, you need a big mirror, you need a million dollars or you need whatever. Oh my, well, you're going to have to, you know, do some great thing. And, uh, usually it's like, well, I, I can only do what I have to do with. The Lord will not ask me for more than I have in within my wheelhouse or ability to produce. Can you say amen? Isn't that beautiful? And so we'll talk ourselves out of things. And boy, I've tried to do it. I've tried to talk myself out of my miracle by when the Lord gives me the command of faith saying, well, that would be stupid. Why would I want to do that? That's not our mindset. See. So like the woman with the meal barrel. Remember the Lord, uh, Elijah says, make me a cake first. And she says... Um uh well I was going to make this one and then one more and then my son and I were going to eat it and die he says well do what you were going to do but make me one first did the question is did she have the meal and the oil and the ability to make the cake yeah she did and her and her whole household ate an entire year from that one seed of obedience the woman with the with that, they were going to come take her sons remember for because uh, she was in debt so bad that in those days you could take family members to pay the debt to be slaves in that other family. And uh, I found out this practice has been going on in parts of the world to this day. They do strange things like that. Um, I've heard of of places in Asia where just a few years ago, maybe still now, those kinds of things went on. And uh, one guy I know got lost in a Mahjong game in China. You know, and uh, had had to go live with another family for like 12 years, because the father bet him in the in the game. I know this man personally, and uh, so he had to. They said you got to go live over here for a while. They said why? Well, I lost you in the game. I put you up for collateral, you know, on the on the betting. So uh, they were going to come take this woman's sons for you know as part of the payment and she was desperate and she said I don't know what to do and he said what do you this is a great question on miracles what do you have in the house the question is what do you have in your hand and she said well I've got these barrels of oil and with just a little oil in them and he said well start pouring borrow all the empty uh... you know containers that you can get and let's pour the oil And, and she did, she borrowed, and there were, there weren't, there were not any more to borrow, and she's pouring, and the oil is flowing, (laughs) and she had an, and he said, now sell it, and go pay your debt, and, you know, you're, uh, you're out of the woods. There's a miracle of debt reduction right there. That's a miracle. And, um, so how many, I feel like it might be important to teach this more than we think. This is a time of famine that we're living in in America. They're saying if they do a second shutdown, which is likely, it's already happened in California. Yay, California leads the way, don't they? But uh, they're already talking, you know, in different states, and maybe including ours. A second shutdown, a second wave of quarantining and all those things. Um, And so it it can become, you know, for a lot of people, especially if they're in in an active business, it can become a very uh, trying time for their business and for their income and those things. And so this is a time to believe in miracles. Time to believe in, in God doing things maybe in not so much the normal way. Not life as usual, but life during famine. And I know that Scarlett and I have experienced this year some great miracles that's enabled us just to keep going right on. Thank God. Amen. And um, and I know that you have had it too. Well, anyway, let's read this. The third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, We're from the church of God. We can't have any wine. No. (laughs) She said unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, woman, he got a little snippy with his mother. I'll have to say, I'm going to ask him about that in heaven. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. In other words, this isn't the time for my public ministry to be, you know, began. The debut, as they say. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he says unto you, do it. That's number one key to miracles. Whatever he says, just do it. My mother made a a pot of, of vegetable soup that led to... Both of her homes getting paid off, entirely the mortgages. Two homes. My mother had a home in Tulsa. Praise the Lord, God's holy city. <laughs> Where the Father, Son, and Spirit dwell. And uh, in, uh, in Alabama at the beach. And uh, this person um, that she took the soup to, they didn't know the soup was coming. But they ended up later... Paying off the houses from soup. I'm telling you, the command of faith will sometimes scare you. It's so simple. You think, well, what does that have to do with anything? And here you are claiming something. believing in God. And then the Lord says, i got an idea. Make some soup. And you're going, well, oh, why, why? I don't, I don't see. I don't see, I, see, this is where we go. I don't see how that's going to help anything, making soup. That's because we're not God, and we don't think like Him, and His ways are higher than ours, and He knows what He's doing, and He knows that the people you're sending the soup to have never had such a soup. Praise the Lord. Um, it, it, it never, it never fails. My, my mother, too, is, is a great example of one good thing one thing that I will always say about my mother is that she is a person who has always quickly obeyed God. I mean, just I'll obey God, you know, she's, she's taking her diamonds off and throwing them in the offering bucket and stuff like that, you know, just out of obedience. And never looking back and the Lord's always blessed her. So my mother was believing God. You want to hear this little story in the midst of this? My mother's believing God for a new refrigerator. This is in, in uh in Tulsa, and uh hers had gone on the blink a couple of times and had it repaired, and you can still see the handwriting on the wall, you know. Time it's a refrigerator time. Well, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you had to believe God for something like that. You know, a lot of people, they just write a check, thank God, and get it delivered. But in her case, she didn't have a check to write. She had to believe God. So they're believing God for a refrigerator. Well, my dad, Mr. Fix-It, you know, he was always trying to finagle and figure out and well, I think I can get this over here and so much a month, and she's like, "No, no, I'm believe God. I want a refrigerator. I want an ice maker. I want in the door, and I want everything." This is back when that was the the new feature, you know. So, somebody she was believing God for a she needed four hundred dollars back then. That's that's that didn't sound like much, but you could get a refrigerator for four hundred dollars in those days. This is back in the early '80s. Late 70s, early 80s. So somebody, give, somebody gave her $400, and she said, oh, good, that's my refrigerator money. But she went to a service, and they were taking an offering for some missionary or something, and she felt led of the Lord to put it in. So she takes it and puts it in. And the devil says to her, oh, you're an idiot. You That's your refrigerator money. And she goes, well, it's twice sown now. And I'll claim double on it.
1: Well, it's not
0: long before somebody else comes along and gives her $400 and says, this is just for you, just for something you want. Well, that's almost like, say, a streaming refrigerator, ain't it?
1: And she said, oh, good, I got my
0: money back. I'll go get the refrigerator. But lo and behold, before she's able to get to the store to buy the refrigerator, she went made the mistake of going to another meeting. They got a meeting every five minutes in Tulsa to go to. Uh, there's a meeting on every corner. So, uh, she went to a meeting and, and lo and behold, they were taking another missionary offering for somebody from Guatemala. And so she puts it in and, uh, and then, you know, that's it. Third time somebody gave her money for a refrigerator. She felt led to give it to somebody at healing school. So she handed that over and she said, well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm having fun re-sewing my refrigerator money. So one day, this man comes up to my father at Ramah, he was a teacher there, and says, hey, I own an appliance, I don't know, I just felt like asking you this, do you and your wife need any new appliances at your place? The Lord knew if he kept giving her money, she'd put it in the offering. <laughs> He's trying to answer her prayer, and she's making it difficult. <laughs> Great story, isn't it? So the guy, so the Lord has to send the man from the appliance store and says, I own, you know, such and such appliances over here. He said, do you need, uh, something like a refrigerator or whatever? And he goes, well, my wife's been believing God for a refrigerator. And every time somebody gives her money for it, she goes off and, and, uh, and, and puts it in the offering. He says, Well, I'll tell you what, I'll deliver the refrigerator to your door so she can't give it away. <laughs> he said, What kind does she want? He says, Well, she wants the side by side, and she wants the you know the the ice in the door and the water in the door. He goes, I got just I will bring the best one I've got. He now think about it. In those days you could get a good one for four hundred. The one he bought brought cost twelve hundred dollars. God will do more for you than you'll do for yourself if you'll let him. So he brought the he brought he brought the top of the line $1200 refrigerator with the wood grain and everything you know that you want back in those days. Anyway, brought it and uh installed it and 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 she said this was more than I had was going to do. This was more than I had hoped for. It had the the best features. Isn't that a beautiful story? But look at what she sewed enough to have the $1,200. Because she sewed it, see, three times. So she got her money back. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, that makes me happy. The refrigerator story. So, um, Where were we here on our scriptures? God help us. I can't even get through. Yeah, just do it like mother with the refrigerator money. There were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Those aren't pickles. That'd be gherkins. It's a Jewish pickle, a firkin. Cozier, gherkin is a firkin. Uh, Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. Now this is a problem because he's kind of breaking the law here. Because of Jewish custom, you don't drink out of the, the water pots that you wash things in. Purifying, see. Well, they filled it up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. They just did whatever he said. They're probably thinking, we're going to be fired here or worse if we get caught doing doing what we're doing. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was... But the servants which drew the water knew. they—you you knew they knew. They're probably nervous as cats. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto the bridegroom, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when uh, men have well drunk, then that which is worse. In other words, the cheap stuff. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. Don't you know that when Jesus did something, it was always the best? This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. And what happens when we participate with the Lord in a miracle? It's a way for him to manifest forth his glory and the disciples to believe on. Amen. Amen. hope you saw some things on that tonight. I, I wanted you to see just some key points. One is, and this is really important, what kind of prayer should we pray when we say, Lord, I need a miracle? See, what, what, what would we pray if we prayed that? And a lot of times people would say, well, Lord, I need a miracle. Please do it. You know, please, won't you help me? And... <laughs> Do it, Lord. I need it, Lord. I wouldn't ask if I wasn't in need. A lot of things like that, that a person might pray. But really what our prayer should be is, Lord, show me my part in this miracle. That would be the prayer that will produce results. Lord, I need a miracle. You know it and I know it. So we're going to be a, we're going to be a, Prayer of agreement here. You can get God in on your prayer of agreement. So, Lord, I, I agree. You and I agree that this is a need or this is a desire. And I I'm, it would take a miracle for that to come to pass. So, Lord, I'm asking. Now, that's what I prayed on this building. See, I, I told you we didn't have, and everybody here knows it, we didn't have a dime in savings or anywhere to buy anything, but we needed a miracle to, to buy it because I wanted to pay cash. I didn't want any more mortgage. So I prayed that prayer. I don't know, uh, maybe, I don't know if I explained that or not, but I did pray that prayer because the Lord showed me how to pray it. Lord, what's my part in this? Well, he told me what to put out on Facebook. He told me what to say. And 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 I followed that, and I was bold with it. Praise the Lord. Everybody knows. I, the Lord told me what to say to the congregation and what to do about it. Amen. He told me what to say about to the realtor and to the sellers, the Lutherans. Praise the Lord. You don't want to mess around with them. They don't have a sense of humor about it. I, I figured that out it's show me the money or get out of my face, you know. So um, uh, I, I, I learned that quick. They didn't have a sense of humor. They about got mad at me that I was even talking to them in the beginning. I'm sure they weren't that thrilled about a bunch of Pentecostals moving into their beloved building, but they wanted the money worse than that. But I will tell you that I love them. God bless them. But I'll tell you that That in every situation, I I walked hand in hand with the Lord in that thing. And I said, whatever your part, Lord, I expect you to do your part. But the Lord's also expecting me to do my part. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And everything that he told me to do, I had within my power to do. Everybody that I talked to, I had the power to talk to them. People would say, what's happening in your ministry? And I'd said, well, interesting that you ask. We're in the process of purchasing a building for the ministry, for the church. And the response was, more often than not, well, how much is that going to cost? Now, don't ask me how much something's going to cost unless you're willing to put money in on it. (laughs) Because otherwise, it's none of your business. I, I love it when I say, we're going to do this. And somebody says, how much is that going to cost? Oh, praise God. You're going to be the first person to help us get it done. That was a good save, wasn't it? The grenade didn't go off. And so, human reasoning is... You know, who do you think you're kidding? What do you think you're doing? What do you think? You know, you know, your mind comes at you a thousand ways. But we listen to the Lord, we do what Jesus said, and the water gets turned into wine. You know what's beautiful about that? The water was obviously very available, something very common, something very inexpensive. The wine, obviously, the more you buy, the more expensive the tab gets. And that's why it's an amazing thing that Jesus took something that was common, that was available, and he made something uncommon, something that was pricey. There's a big argument, you know, amongst full gospel people as to whether this wine was fermented or not. And I always say about that, what difference does it make? When's the last time you turned water into anything? You're missing the point. It doesn't matter if it was fermented or not. What matters is that it was turned from one substance to another. That's the miracle. And if you're not careful, you'll get you'll you'll start analyzing scripture by your 1948 Pentecostal rules instead of according to what the Lord's trying to show us through the Word. Amen? Now, I'll tell you three reasons that I know that nobody had any problem with this wine, whether it was fermented or not. I'll tell you why. One is Jesus is Jewish, and they don't have a problem. Number two, Mary is Catholic, and they don't have a problem. (laughs) Number three, the day of Pentecost hadn't happened yet, so there weren't any Pentecostals with their rules. So everybody's cool. It's <laughs> my ridiculous way. <laughs> we should leave rejoicing and laughing at least, right? Glory to God. Well, hallelujah. You know, how many's gonna, look, I tell you what, you don't need to do without anything in this life. None of us need to. We're not helping God by being willing to do without. That is not. That is not helping God. We need to say, you know, whatever our desire, what you can't help it. Whatever your desires are, as long as they're godly desires, there. That's what you. That's your deal. And you can't judge one person's need by your need. But what you can do is believe, Hallelujah, and say, Lord, I'm expecting this now. Show me my. You, you kind of get excited. Like, show me my part. What am I going to say? Sometimes the Lord will tell you a scripture to declare or something else. And when you do, you think, well, and the devil will say, well, that didn't help anything. Nothing's changed. You just tell the devil, hide and watch. Hide and watch. I'm obeying God and there is it. Uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen. The Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat of the good of the lamb. You'll eat of the good of the land. Amen. Uh, brother Hagan used to say that means the best. The good means the best. It's like this story. You save the best to last. How many believe if God's doing it, it's going to be the best? What does the best mean? Well, that's a relative word. Best for you. What might be best for one person might not, you might not like that at all, but, some, but what you want is something best. Yeah. So just like, let's just study to mind our own business. Amen. Sometimes and, and, uh, not judge everybody by what, well, what are they, what do they have with that? What do they need with that? Well, study your business, but praise God. We can say, you know, Lord, in, in that area, I thank you for the best. Brother Hagin used to say on that scripture, that means, uh, uh, wear the best clothes, eat the best food, drive the best car, live in the best house. Meaning for you. Amen. The house you live in right now might be the best house for you as far as what your desire is. See, So you don't judge it. You know, you don't have to feel like, well, I guess I should believe God for something grander. Well, only if you want it. Only if you like it. If you don't, be happy where you are. But then don't throw somebody else under the bus. Because their desire is different than what you see. Amen. So we all get along and there's no jealousy. And there's no covetousness, right? And there's no anger. You know, if somebody gets something nice and new or whatever, and somebody's angry about it, you wonder about them, don't you, a little bit? I got a car one time in Tulsa. God praise the Lord. And God really blessed me with this car. I mean, it was expensive, and, and I got it for just almost nothing. And uh, one of my workers that was working for me came up, and here's what he said looking at it. He goes, well, hey, Brother David, that's the kind of car somebody might get jealous that you have and come alongside it and want to key it. Now, when a person says something like that to you, they got a problem. Yeah. They're the jealous one. They're the ones thinking about keying yes. your car. Isn't that the truth? Yes. And so uh it wasn't long before he didn't work there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the kind of car somebody might want to come along. And I'm thinking... I said to him, Don't curse my car like that. Don't you do that. That's not right. Hallelujah. Well, let's lift our hands and praise him, dear God. That's enough preaching the last three weeks. Thank you, Father. Lord, we give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. We thank you for and 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 miracles that we need and desire this week. We claim them in Jesus' name. And, Lord, our prayer is show us our part, what to do, our command of faith. And in Jesus' name, it will be the key. We thank you, Lord, for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing is impossible to him that believeth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Keep believing. Don't think that what you're desiring and believing God for is too big for Him. It's not. It's not too big. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. And, and, and just because it's the time of COVID and the time of civil unrest and nonsense, that doesn't change the Bible. That doesn't change the Bible. Just keep moving right ahead. Jesus name. Praise the Lord. I just feel like praising Him a minute. Santa la besitiva. Prasanda la banda, shata. Sola manangala mana, santa la vasita, shata abra Andala baseta. Santa basina. Hallelujah. Scarlett, you got something? A word? I feel like you got a word. Hallelujah. You that are watching, stay with us. Amen. Praise God.
1: Um, I was just going to say, on the same long this line, uh, we years ago we had um, heard from the Lord to give ten thousand dollars to a ministry, <laughs> and you know that seemed like quite a bit to give, but we knew it was the Lord, and it was in our power to do that, just like you were talking yeah. about tonight. And um, it was two weeks after that that we got a call. And, uh, someone said, we feel the Lord leading us to give you this house. And it was in a particular neighborhood near Panama City Beach that was very exclusive. And, um, that we sold the house for a million dollars to, for our ministry. Amen. And, um, you know, it was, it was just something that was totally unexpected. Um, Except for, you know, we were believing God for the furtherance of the ministry and for this and that and the other. And, you know, it costs money yeah, to right. to minister, um, just like it does anything in life. But uh, I just thank God for uh, financial miracles yes. and obeying the Lord when he tells you to do something. Yes. Even when you think, oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I can do that or not. But we can do it. You know, sometimes it's just stepping out. In faith, just like they did with this, you know, they stepped out and filled those water
0: pots with water,
1: and uh, believe in God for. Uh, that miracle there. And so yep.
0: For the Lord says unto you, many that are watching tonight and, and seeing this service there have been miracles that you have asked me for. There's been provisions that you've asked me for that are here waiting to be sent to you, here waiting to be given to you. And the command of faith has come to you several times. And for whatever reason, you chose not to obey, but it's ready to be shipped, so to speak, from the, from the docks of heaven. And as you obey and as you say, yes, Lord, I'll do that thing, I'll, I'll write that letter, I'll make that call, I'll sow that seed, whatever it is that the Lord has put on your heart to do, as you do it, these things shall come to pass. Some of you, it's things that you've claimed and forgotten about, but it's still an open case in the courts of heaven. For I have said in the word, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? So bring me the thing that you think I can't do. Bring me the thing that you wonder, is that too much? Is that too high? Is that too grand? And I'll show you great and mighty things, saith the Lord. Call unto me, and I'll answer you. And all will see that you are blessed of the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's, Amen. Yes, good. Praise God. I knew there was a prophetic word there. You know, the Bible says, "Believe ye His ye ye." Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, King James. Believe ye His prophets, and you shall prosper. Amen. And I believe that prophet there doesn't have to mean the person in the office of the prophet, but it can mean uh, ministers, those that you have confidence in. Believe, believe when they bring you a word like that, and uh, and uh, put your faith with it. What have you got to lose? You can either roll your eyes and go, "Well, that was stupid," or you can <laughs> agree with it and uh, and and be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, again, let's lift our hands and praise Him and thank Him. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God forevermore.